This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. the show, as the novel coronavirus continues to spread, there's grave concern about hospitals being overwhelmed with patients and supply shortages. Some doctors and nurses across the world have had to turn to social media and the streets to express their concerns. Later, we'll hear from one of the people working to help connect healthcare workers with more supplies. We would never send a soldier into battle without the appropriate protection. Um, we can't be sending doctors and nurses into dangerous healthcare situations without things to keep them safe either. But first, a conversation with a Chicago ER doctor on the front lines of the pandemic. Dr. George Champis is an emergency room physician and assistant professor of emergency medicine at Northwestern University's medical school. I checked in with him for an inside look on how healthcare workers are dealing with the coronavirus pandemic, and he started out by describing some of the adjustments that have been made in his emergency room. As of two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you know, reading everything that was going on, there definitely was this, you know, underlying anxiety. But, uh, for example, at Northwestern, what we've been able to do is is um, adjust our space, um, really kind of create a COVID-specific space, um, uh, allow us to secure resources, build some teams that are specific to that. Uh, because prior to that, what we had was essentially everyone coming in the emergency department. Um, we really, we really didn't have an ability to separate them, use our closed-door rooms uh, specific to COVID. And, and that's just a few of the examples that have been implemented at this time. We've been hearing about a possible or expected surge in cases. At this point, with the adjustments you've made, do you feel prepared to deal with that surge? Yeah, you know, I've worked the past few days, and and without question, the, the staying at home, uh, as difficult as it is, and as 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 hard as it as it hit as it hit everybody, um, it is without question um, helping us. Um, right now, we're seeing about 85% of our patients either COVID positive or or COVID screening. Um, not having the the overflow of the other uh, patients uh, has without question supported us and helped us. It's allowed us to practice good care and. Quality quality care for those individuals um, uh, and 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 that has that while that's taking place we're, we're still expecting a surge that we really don't know what to expect if we're going to see you know 20 percent 50 percent 80 percent more we're kind of looking at what what's going on in New York uh, to, to potentially determine our, our, our next surge 
In terms of personal protective equipment, we've been hearing from medical professionals across the country and around the world about a concern around a shortage of supplies. Do you feel adequately supplied at this point? Right now, uh, we do. Uh, again, I think uh, the, the measures that, that have been taking place at Northwestern and the time that that I think all the hospitals have had um, has helped everyone. Um, again, I think as as any employee would, um, you're always worried about what it might look, might look like a week from now. Um, but obviously, there's uh, so many efforts going on by the by the public, by the private entities, and in trying to secure more and more uh, resources. Um, for us, it's really about doing our job and doing it in a way to protect not only the patient but ourselves. Um, at this point in time, uh, we're comfortable. So, Dr. Champis, there's there's the physical safety question and making sure medical professionals are, are adequately supplied to, to protect their health. But then there's the mental health question as well. How are you and your colleagues staying in a place where you feel mentally safe, mentally secure, mentally prepared for what might come? Yeah, I wish I had a, a great answer for that. Um, you know, first responders and, and, and healthcare workers that work in emergency rooms and in critical care areas really lean on each other. Uh, we we go through some of the, the worst things that, that people can see. Uh, and um, any at, at a crisis like this is when we all uh, uh, lean on each other, you know, realize the, the special people that work in this environment. And for us uh, as well, during this time, having uh, the support by the government, by the state, by the public, and is, is really, without question, something that's helping us all uh, from a mental side. As we mentioned, you're an emergency room physician. What are some of the specific challenges you face uh, in that, serving in that unit of the hospital? Yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously you're the front line, and so you're dealing with uh, some of the elements of the homeless population. You're dealing with uh, the, the, the the EMS and police and fire, um, some of the social uh, inequities that exist in our, in our communities, um, and still trying to provide the highest level of care, uh, be emotional support, um, sometimes give someone a meal. Um, and then uh, at the, at the uh, other end is, uh, you know, people's last moments in life. So really that balance is, is something that uh, uh, is definitely an art. Uh, it requires a, a sense of uh, compassion. Uh, but again, I think we lean on each other from our nurses, our physician assistants, uh, our techs, uh, in being able to, to, to support each other through these difficult times. Dr. Champis, I want to come away from the hospital for a moment and talk about the the other side of this equation. Um, Physicians like yourself, you have families, you have loved ones. How are you helping them be prepared for for what might come, for, for the way you may be drawn into dealing with this crisis? Yeah, I think uh, it's a it's a great question. Uh, the other day, I was t- talking to some friends, and um, I, I literally said that you know every day that one of us go to you know go to work, um, it's reset. It's day zero quarantine again. Um, meaning that if you've been home for the last 12 days, 15 days, you almost just have to stay home, and and you can ride this out. For us as healthcare workers, every day we go to work that we had we didn't have symptoms, and then we go to work, it's back to zero, uh, and that element of, of uncertainty is one that without question is an undertone in our home. Um, you know, my, my kids, you know, when I leave for work, 
They're like, you know, hey, you know, be careful. They, you know, watch what you're doing. They never really were as engaged. Um, everyone deals with it differently. Some don't talk about it. You know, all of us as healthcare workers are reading on social media what's taking place, um, how this uh, this is affecting people in, in the worst way. Um, some don't talk about it. Uh, some need to talk about it. Others take actions and maybe move out of the house. Um, for for myself and, and the way I deal with it is I almost internalize it. Um, but I, I think in this particular case, my wife, my kids, uh, without question, are are recognizing uh, this a little bit differently from other times. Well, Governor Pritzker recently called on retired medical professionals to, to rejoin the workforce. With a possible shortage of personal protective gear, could that increase the risk of there not being enough of that gear to go around? Yeah, without question. Uh, obviously, you know, when we're talking about the, the the times where you can make a mistake as a healthcare provider is when you get overwhelmed, um, you're doing some life-saving procedures as far as trying to secure airways, um, uh, trying to do, uh, you know, uh, life-saving efforts uh, when you need multiple people in the room. Um, I think it's really important for us as staff to, to have some clear guidelines to be able to do all the things we need to do, uh, but protect ourselves. Um, we have to rely on, on our state. Our governor has done a great job this far. We have to rely on our health care systems to, to give us those uh, protective gear. Um, but at the same time, we also have to implement some measures within our work environments um, to, to continue to do work, whether it be using technology and calling patients over the phone, uh, limiting the interactions you have. I've, I've seen some great things of writing, uh, writing notes on, on, on the window for patients so that you don't have to enter. So everyone has to be creative right now, recognizing that the PPEs are things that are maybe a challenge, uh, but we also have to have faith and belief that, that, that we're going to be able to secure these for us. I want you to remind us uh, again what we can do to stay safe and help prevent the spread of the virus. Yeah, the stay home is without question uh, uh, positively impacting us. Um, anytime, if you're if you're um, not out on the streets, we're not spreading the disease. We're being able to maintain this curve and 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 not overwhelm the the system. Um, keeping the social distancing, um, watching washing your hands and and limiting your exposure to others, and then um, recognizing that you there are other ways for you to get in touch with your physician, the healthcare system, uh, doing your work from home virtually. Um, um, uh, hopefully this is something that we just need to implement for another four to, for four to six weeks, um, and then we can get past this. So we know about that side of it, protecting us uh, from the virus, protecting our, our community from the spread of the virus. But are there other ways we can protect healthcare workers right now or the families of healthcare workers? Uh, obviously, you know, being a support uh, uh, for them as far as maybe reaching out to them. Uh, the other day we, I got a, a, a great message yesterday before going into work of, from someone in our community that, that shared uh, a small little gift at, at, at our home. Um, you know, people are sending food to the emergency department. Just a simple note uh, of appreciation, um, believe it or not, is what is lifting us up now. But what I will say, Jen, is um, when we're going to need this is probably, you know, a week two weeks from now, three weeks from now, um, when we really get impacted a little bit more. Um, and then after that, um, because without question, more and more healthcare workers, first responders are going to be impacted by this and their families. So as much as we're seeing this now, I think uh, sustaining that is going to be something that we're, we're without question going to need.
That's Dr. George Champus. He's an emergency room physician and assistant professor of emergency medicine at Northwestern University's Medical School. Dr. Champus, thanks for speaking with us, and thank you for the important work you're doing right now. Thanks, Jen, and everyone be safe. While state and local governments plead for more help from Washington, D.C., health professionals on the ground are taking things into their own hands. One future professional is Tricia Pendergrast. She's a Northwestern University medical student, and she, with a number of colleagues, are part of an initiative called Get Me PPE Chicago. It's geared towards getting essential medical supplies to workers in the field. Tricia talked about what compelled her to step out to help arm healthcare workers with the equipment they need. You know, one of the first things that you do when you are a medical student in the first week is to take an oath to put the needs of others before your own. And I think a lot of us working on this initiative really view um, the Get Me PPE Chicago effort as an extension of that oath that we took. Give us some more detail on the types of PPEs you're trying to, to get for hospitals and medical workers, what they're used for. So similar to what Kristen said previously, the N95 respirators are really the priority right now, and they protect healthcare workers from droplets and aerosolized particles that may cause the transmission of the virus to pass between an infected person to someone like a nurse or doctor that's helping to take care of them. Uh, In addition to those respirators, we're also uh, soliciting donations for surgical masks, protective goggles, gloves, and face shields. And all of these really um, are used to prevent the transmission of many particles between people who are caring for the patients, including but not limited to the coronavirus. What are the requirements for acceptable donations? So right now we're asking people to donate new and in-box equipment um, just to make sure that we're getting as high quality donations to the frontline healthcare workers as possible. And how do you acquire the PPEs and how are you distributing those donations? So we have a couple of methods that we're using. Predominantly, we have a form that we're asking individuals and businesses in the community to fill out. We're also calling around to different industries that may use these uh, PPE devices. So uh, construction companies are a great example. And we also have our Twitter account at GetMePPEShy, C-H-I, which has information about how to fill out our form. And some of our students from the community can either give directions about how to get that PPE to the closest hospital, or we'll come to you and do a no-contact pickup. Are you coordinating with state government or the private sector for this initiative? So um, we are a task force within the larger student-led Chicago rapid response team. And we are in contact with several members of the Illinois Department of Public Health. Right now, we're really building the relationship between our group and theirs, considering our initiative is still rather young. Um, But we look forward to supporting pretty much anything that they need us to do, kind of to be additional boots on the ground or spread the word. Um, We're here to help. Right now, what you're doing is on a volunteer basis, people saying, here's equipment we can hand over to you to distribute to hospitals. Mm -hmm. But do you think an additional step, like the Defense Production Act, where the government would compel companies to make these needed supplies, do you think that's necessary at this point? I personally support it. You know, we would never send a soldier into battle without the appropriate protection. Um, We can't be sending doctors and nurses into dangerous healthcare situations without things to keep them safe either. Is this initiative sustainable? Can you keep this up for another three to six months? 
I personally believe we can. I continue to be inspired by my colleagues at the Northwestern um, level, as well as people from all medical schools and community hospitals who have come together to make this happen. I think we have the strength in numbers as well as the motivation um, to keep supporting our friends and colleagues and teachers and try to solicit donations for as long as they'll need. Tricia, you're a medical student again at Northwestern University. I'm wondering whether this crisis has made you think differently about your your future role as as a doctor? I think it's made me more excited to join um, the medical profession. Um, I'm very interested in um, critical care medicine personally, and the way that I've seen my colleagues react to a very difficult situation has been, you know, nothing short of inspiring. And I look forward to, you know, one day calling them my peers and working with them. So one more time for people who have supplies they can donate, what is your Twitter account? And we'll make sure to share that as well. Great. Thank you. Yeah, we are at get me, G-E-T-M-E-P-P-E-Shy, C-H-I. And there's also a national account at get us P-P-E, G-E-T-U-S-P-P-E. People can find great information about what donations are needed and how to get them to where they need to go. And that's today's Reset. For the latest on COVID-19 in Chicago and beyond, go to wbez.org slash coronavirus. I'm Jen White. Stay safe, and let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.